Final round of CONCACAF World Cup qualifying has begun, and so far, a lot of ties mostly. Some good for Canada, some not as good. We'll discuss why on this week's edition of Waking Red Week, week presented by Footy Talks, as well as get you set for tomorrow's matchup with El Salvador at BMO Field. In 15 minutes' time or so, we'll be joined by another recent transfer into the Canadian soccer media landscape. That is TSN's Matthew Schnetti. He's been on the Canada World Cup qualifying beat, so we'll go in-depth on that with him. Front FC are also back this weekend, so we at least mentioned them once on this week's show. Um, we aren't going to get fined, so that's good. But before we get into any of that, Michael Singh, Jeffrey Pinasker, how's this week been going so far? Long weekend, baby. Yeah. So exactly. so relaxed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, uh, I've been getting I've been getting a lot of my uh, positivity from uh, U.S. Men's National Team Twitter. So, you know, it's a it's an unending font of Schadenfreude. Absolutely fantastic. I cannot recommend it enough. Uh, I think I shared an article uh, with you guys on the WTR Slack chat last night. It was about 500 comments strong, and all of them were uh, were hilarious. Uh, if you get a chance, you should read it. It was pretty terrific. Yeah. yeah. It just re-energized, man. Like, I, I feel mm. like with meaningful games actually happening at BMO Field, and honestly, it's it's a tempo that none of us have been privy to yet with, with this Canadian men's national team in the in yeah. the heart of World Cup qualifying, actually competing legitimately for a spot. I mean, that hasn't happened in, in any of our lifetimes, really. So just, I, I'm trying to soak it all in. I, I think... It honestly hasn't really hit yet just how the magnitude of these games and just the moment of, of these occasions. And like I said, it just overall that's just been re-energizing. Not only not only for me as as a journalist, but I feel like in general for everybody, the all social media seems to be engaged. Yep. If you're at the game at BMO Field on Wednesday night, just just fantastic atmosphere. Absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic. You had fans from Honduras, which I didn't even know that many fans from Honduras like were around this this country. I mean, how did they cross the border? <laughs> no, man, Toronto. Um, Toronto's a diaspora, yeah. man. There's 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 expats from every every nation here, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, could, it was yeah, really evident there on uh on what was it Thursday night at BMO Field. So yep. just like I said, it's 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 a good time to be a, a Canadian national soccer team supporter. Yeah, I'm Agreed. I'm not gonna lie, I was there a little late just coming in from from Kitchener, there was a Maroon 5 concert, so the traffic was absolutely brutal. Um, so I came into the stadium a little late, but just, you know, I was getting kind of emotional walking up and hearing, like, what the crowd sounded like for a Canada game, right? Because we're used to that for Toronto FC games now, but even for, like, a Toronto FC game, especially with the way things have gone this season, like, there was just a buzz about that stadium that was incredible. Yeah. Um, and I think Jeff actually made a good point. I wanted to circle back on that before I forgot about the about the U.S. national team Twitter reaction because, you know, like like Mike said, like this is newer to all of us. We haven't seen Canada play games like this. And after <laughs> that 1-1 draw, it was kind of, you know, like I like it was. I knew it was a good result, but it's still a draw, so you, you weren't just like the most pumped. And then when you see the, the fans who have been there before in terms of the U.S. men's national team, like reacting the way they did to that result, you realized how big of a result that was for Canada and how kind of unexpected it was. So... Um, that was kind of where I was at with that, but let's, let's start a bit with the Honduras game. I think, um, just sure. going in order here, I guess. And, um, obviously I think it was a disappointment for Canada, but also a wake up call. I mean, there was someone last week in the comments who I really wanted to shout out. I can't remember who it was, but someone saying, basically predicting exactly how this game would go, which is like, Bang this on. isn't going to be easy. Yeah. For it was, uh, Bielsa's high press. 
There you go. Yeah, he, perfect. Yeah, because yeah. he called me on it like pretty much the minute after the final whistle. Called, so. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Predicted exactly like this is Concacaf, and it was an absolute wake up call for Canada. But you know, I think good that that wake up call came in the first game, and now it's, it seems like they with the U.S. game they are able to kind of learn that lesson quickly. Yeah, what did yeah. you guys make of their performance against Honduras? Why don't we, Jeff? Why don't you go first? Screaming for an eight. Uh, I think uh, if Oso had been in that game, uh, we maybe would have won. Uh, and that's not a knock against the Tiba. It's just I hated that double pivot with uh, with Mustachio uh, so, 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 so much. I did not like it. I don't want to see it again. Um, we've got depth in the midfield, so I don't think we have to roll it out again. I just I saw Atiba and, and uh, Eustachio chasing the same balls too often. And I didn't like it. And it looked like there was a, a disconnect between who was playing further up the pitch and who was playing back. They kept switching. Uh, and then the other thing that I really couldn't stand, and I still don't quite understand what happened, was the switch with uh, Fonzie and Tejon on the wings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll, I'll kind of build off what you were saying there with, with the midfield. I think, and John Herdman addressed this in the second half, bringing on Junior Hoylet, but I think mm. they were missing like a number 10. Like they had the two eights in the middle in terms of Estacchio and Hutchinson, but they're mm-hmm. missing that that sort of hold up play right before they get to their striker. And I don't think neither David or Laren were capable of necessarily picking up picking the right pass in that that's part of the field, right? And when Junior Hoylet came on, it it changed the game dramatically. They now had that option through the middle. And they weren't able to sort of exploit, you know, the wings in the first half. And all of a sudden, there became enormous amounts of space on the wings because you had someone like a Hoylet who could occupy that space in the middle yep. and then act as sort of a, I don't know, like someone who could penetrate the midfield and then spray yeah. it out wide. And it, it worked. Like, I felt like I tweeted this out, too. There was too many like-minded players on the pitch and Tejan Buchanan, Richie Larea, and Alfonso Davies trying to occupy the same space and play the same type of role. And I, mm-hmm. I just feel like Honduras adjusted well. And, you know, credit to Canada again for adjusting again and really taking it to Honduras in that second half. And, you know, we'll, we're disappointed with just the single point because re- the reality is, you know, when you have expectations like this Canadian men's national team has, you need to pick up three points at home in, at yep. BMO Field against a team like Honduras. So disappointed with a point, but overall their performance, like like Mitch kind of put it out off the top, it, they it's good that that adversity came early on because they were able to bounce back. And, you know, I think it's just onwards and upwards from here, hopefully. Is yeah. that mm. Mustachio or Jeff original? No, I, I thought Mustachio is, was, was you. Somebody mentioned Mustachio. And, and okay. Well, I love that nickname. For yeah, no, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That immediately <laughs> into, my, <laughs> into my vernacular, but I honestly uh, thought it was you. I, I mean, I, uh, Okay, well, it's a credit to you that I thought it was you because that means right. that, that well shows how witty I think you are. Um, there we go. What was I going to say? Uh, I didn't like how. I mean, Honduras played played a conca game, uh, and mm. uh, oh, it was Charles. It was Chaz. There you go. There it was. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> I thought, uh, you know, I I've heard a lot of takes that they thought the refereeing at the Honduras game was was up to scratch. I disagree. I think there was uh, at least three or four examples of the most errant uh, dives I've ever seen. Like, I mean, where I was sitting in section 117, I saw Honduran uh, forwards flop at the at like a breeze, 
you know what I mean, or strong language. And 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 uh, it was a bit of a it was a stop start game, the the, the exact kind of game that Bielsa's high press predicted, uh, and that I said wouldn't happen. So uh, credit to him and uh, demerit points for me. But uh, <laughs> Jeff, it, it, I mean, there was this play. Mm-hmm. There was this play in it was the first half still actually, yeah. and <laughs> Honduras took the lead. And I tweeted this out too because I was actually dying in the press box, like laughing at this play. Honduras took the lead. They had a free kick. They they want a free kick. Literally, their own player. I've not, I don't know if I've ever seen this before, but their own player kicked the ball away <laughs> on their own free kick, and then proceeded to walk over and get the same ball. In what world was that? To me, not time wasting. I feel like that part of the game was not enforced, and yep. that that is Concacaf for you. It's just super frustrating yeah. when you go behind against a team like Honduras, who are just experts at yeah. Concacafing everything, and you know, absolutely upper upper hand and sort of everything. And I think, yeah, I don't I don't know if the referee did a great job of sort of enforcing everything there on on Thursday night, but I thought the refereeing against the U.S. was was a lot better, a lot tighter. Yeah, I think I that's the frustrating part for for sure. Is like I think the ref. Got the big calls right in the Honduras game, obviously. I mean, the Tejan penalty, it, you know, it, it was it was debatable, but it probably was a penalty. That was a but in my it's 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 yeah. always the game management that, that frustrates you, right? It's like it's the fact that teams keep getting rewarded for trying these kind of things in Concacaf. Yep. Like they keep getting rewarded for all the time wasting. They keep getting rewarded for all the antics. And again. You know, that's the wake-up call for Canada. They're going to get this, and it's going to be, if it's that bad at BMO Field, let me tell it's you, it's gonna, not going to yeah. be any better when you're down in San Pedro Sula, and, all the, and there's no one all the stretchers, at the, All the stretchers, at the rest, all the bags so. of urine. Yeah, exactly, um, exactly. So it's it's only going to get worse from from here from, in that perspective. So, it's, again, it's good, I think, that Canada got that, got a huge dose of that early and now know better what to expect. So I think they actually replicated some of that against the United States uh, in terms of, you know, some of the, some of those antics that they actually used to their benefit in, in the U S game, which was great. And that's what you want to see from Canada. If you can't beat them, join them, man. I mean, it's, it's a, it's an aspect of the game uh, to, to ignore it and to try to take the high road means you ain't going to to Qatar. So do it. Um, yeah. All the stretchers. Do you know what I mean? Uh, because it's been it's been proven that that it's a it's an advantage. So, you know, it's time to start engaging. I mean, to start, we're already doing it to to quite a degree. I'm I'm very impressed. Uh, you know, Kava still ha- still these minutes, and that's going to be some <laughs> some serious shenanigans. But uh, yeah, yeah, I I I I thought the herky jerky nature of the of the Honduras game really suited the the opposition team. Uh, I agree with you. I think it's it's nice to get punched in the mouth early because then you've got the rest of the fight to to get back up, you know, like the Rocky narrative and, and win the match. Um, but, you know, are we being way too positive about two points out of six on the table? Let, let's get into that after. I think we have we have Matthew here. Actually, we can probably ask him that question to lead off. So let's bring sure. let's bring Matthew on, and then uh, then we can circle back to that, because I do think that's a good topic to, to get into. But now joined by TSN's Matthew Shinetti. Thanks so much for, for joining us, Matthew. Boys, good to see you. Good Thank you, Matthew. Him. Yeah, well, let's let's get into, I guess, your thoughts then on on those first two matches for Canada. And as Jeff mentioned, two points. Um, you know, one obviously away from home where it's a little more positive, and then the one at home that I think you know there's at least some hand wringing over. What are you? What have you been made uh, of Canada so far? If John Herb, I, I maybe don't put all on Herman, but maybe if there isn't that switch where all of a sudden Alfonso Davies is on the right 
and Tejon Buchanan's on the left, and it kind of ruined the momentum of that game against on uh, in the first half against Honduras. That I don't say it led to the penalty, but kind of led up before the penalty. You know, we might be looking at four points. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for the most part, the finishing I think has been the most disappointing thing. I think, and maybe it's. Uh, maybe it's the only criticism you can have of Jonathan David in uh, in the game against Honduras is that finishing and and you know early on and very he's very early in his career but you see in some of the seasons he's had especially last year with Lil had kind of a, a slower start before he kind of works his way into the year I'm not going to use that as the excuse but it's just been little fine things and you guys are talking about the um, the dare I say the shithousery of of <laughs> and you can say it no no it's, it is it's 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 yeah. so true and and. You know, Herdman reflected on this moment, you know, post-game, I'm sure you guys heard, where they're at halftime at BMO Field and guys are like, okay, like, let's stop screwing around. We're not playing Suriname anymore. We're playing teams that, like, they know how to play this CONCACAF style. There's stuff that's going to get, you know, that they're going to go ahead and get away with, which is funny because when you think about the talent, the European talent that Canada has now, when you're playing Europe, that stuff doesn't fly. And then you got to come over here for international games. And all of a sudden it'd be the same incomparable where you have to deal with all this shit housery. And it's, it's, yeah. um, it's kind of, it really is a mental thing. And I really, you know, you guys brought up a great point in terms of Canada playing to that. I mean, I look at Richie Larea and what Richie has been doing in terms of having an attitude and having a bit of a bite to him and getting in people's faces and, and that's what we need to do. And Mark Anthony K doing the same thing. Like, oh yeah, um, terrorizing people. Yep. And, and that's and that's you know, and, and from the start, like he's screaming the anthem out, and then he's screaming on the field, and that's it is a, <laughs> it's a psychological warfare. Like it, like mm-hmm. people, this is and this is what you have to. This is part of it. And um, I have I have been impressed that U.S. game. You know, I, I have to get this in because I've been saying it behind the scenes. I don't know what bloody game Arison was watching that after the game he's just like oh yeah they can't have one chance they scored I'm like dude it was an open game and had Tejon Buchanan just squared that ball across the box you guys probably would have lost like what are you talking yep. about like like you so this is part of it this is the psychological warfare and it, it continues on tomorrow like I think given where the table has where the table is now you have to beat El Salvador at, at, at BMO Field to, to stay absolutely above that. That 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 uh, uh, for me, that the the top four places that's where the cut line is. Like even if this team, I'm not putting the cart way before the horse, but even if this team were to get that fourth playoff place, it'd be a huge accomplishment. But that you have to keep in those top four places. You can't get behind that line at all any, at any yep. point in, in in this process, especially this early. Um, speak speaking speaking about the U.S. psychological warfare. Are you also enjoying the festival of Schadenfreude that is uh, U.S. men's national team Twitter right now? Well, uh, I watched. I watched. You know what was even better was the YouTube channels. They do uh, for some mm. reason they think it's a good idea to put the uh, Greg Berhalter's post game press conference on YouTube where the fans <laughs> didn't are, they like, kill the comments though? Didn't and, they turn those off? Losing their yeah. mind. <laughs> it's all his fault. We have all this talent. Why didn't we beat Canada like twenty nine to nothing? It's like what are you talking yep. about? Yeah. Like, like and I, and it's, funny, it's, I was, mm, go, ahead, go ahead. No, no, please continue. I mean, no, no, what, what I'm simply saying is like the United States, whatever people think of their talent, like this is still a team that I remember Dwayne DeRozero telling me this many years ago. He's like, their infrastructure allows them to have a, a wider talent base. But when it's one for one with our guys against our best against their best, and you know, it's, it's, it, we can give them our best shot. Like it really pisses them off. Like, Mm-hmm. They don't run right over us. And 
And it's funny, and you can I was watching that and just remembering Dwayne's comments from this is like 10 years ago and just watching it and being like, yeah, they're pissed off that like they can't, they're not running over us anymore. Like they, they can't. And it's um, now, bear in mind, I don't think Scott Kennedy had the, his best game. <laughs> no, he did uh, not. <laughs> um, but I overall, that was an excellent, I mean, if, as, as ties go for Canada in this part of the process, that was an excellent tie. And to watch Americans afterwards on their YouTube channel just lose their minds. <laughs> I, I have no problem being biased here. I absolutely love it. Yeah, oh, me too. I love, I love to see it. I mean, they, they won the Gold Cup less than two months ago, and they're calling for Berhalter's head if they don't beat Honduras on Wednesday. It's, 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 uh, it's kind of hilarious, and, and, I, and I hope we never experience that level of swagger over here. I don't, I don't think culturally we're capable of it. I think we might get close, <laughs> but, but I don't think we'll ever get that bad. Anyway, sorry, Mike. Sorry to interrupt. No, no worries. And Matthew, you mentioned their best against best. I got a question for you. Is Alfonso Davies the best player in CONCACAF right now? If, if you watch the way that he terrorized both Honduras and the Americans on the left side, I was saying this to a colleague of mine, Paul Affield, who, who works for Gold Mail during the game. I was like, he's far and away the best player in CONCACAF. Like, it's not Easily. Close. Like, like, it's when you talk about world-class players, and it's going to be interesting today. I'm going to training, which is in about uh, an hour and a half. And mm. it'll be interesting to see if Alfonso is still there and if Bayern Munich hasn't picked up the phone to John Herman and said, okay, this is that that was fun, but we'd like him to come back now. We've got RB Leipzig right. coming up in the Champions, the first match days of the Champions League. So you guys can have him back in October, but we need him now. Um, yeah. You know, and that'll be interesting. However, like when he's on the field, it's, it's, it literally tilt, no matter what structure, what talent the American, any team has, like he just, blows past guys and it's not even what we were i remember we as a country mind you were worried that when we got to this stage that guys just be hacking at him and just like two two two-footed tackles they can't even touch him like, like it's, yep. it's not even it that's not even a concern because he and he's oh i think we lost his lost uh, your sound lost there the man. yeah we yeah. lost your sound there yeah, yeah now we got you good yeah, stuff I, I had a phone call coming here um oh no worries you you what's what is so interesting is that if you see him in person now, his body is so much bigger in terms of like, he's so much more muscular. He's so f much mm. faster and he's only 21. Like he's, he still has it's growing insane. to do. Not even. And you, it's, it's an absolute credit to Bayern Munich. And, like it's a, it's a credit to Bayern Munich and, and their strength and conditioning coaches. You know, we, we've all seen certainly what they've done to many players. You know, I, I think of Thomas Muller over his career and, Oh, and uh, he's gained strength and speed. But the fact is, is at this point, far and away, Alfonso Davies is, is, is the only world-class player in CONCACAF. Wow. Oh, yeah. Well, there was a play <laughs> early in the first half, I think, where Milan Borjan sent like a nothing ball forward. And all of a sudden you see Alfonso Davies coming from the left side of your screen and just closes down the U.S. defender. I think that was when Laren uh, missed the, the early sitter. But yeah. I mean that was just that was just one of those things where it's like okay even if we get half chances here like Alfonso Davies quality is going to shine through um, but I did want to talk about another player that just moved to Europe and you were obviously on this this beat throughout the the Tejon Buchanan transfer saga um, your thoughts on how that ended up him going to Club Brugge and um, yeah just a, a pretty good location to to start his European journey yeah there there was some talk uh, behind the scenes about teams like Offsburg as well in the Bundesliga. And I, I don't think he could have gone wrong uh, either way. I mean, going to a, 
again, it's it's the Belgian first division. So, I mean, it is still a European league with the, the opportunity to play in the Europa League and potentially oh, yeah. Champions League. Um, and I think it's a lot better for him because, you know, Bruges is an established club rather than going to Augsburg where, you know, I mean, I think that they had a – they got – they got their butts kicked. I didn't see this, but I, I kind of periphery in my periphery saw them you know, get their butts kicked in the early first few rounds of the Bundesliga. I think he's great. I think I think Tejon is someone who we saw it um, in the Honduras game. It wasn't his best game, but against the Americans, when he feels kind of an intensity pickup and like he feels like he's got to raise his level for the moment. I mean, we see in that run that he just. You know, went right through the Americans on the on the right yep. side and just put that ball through the box. Almost looked like he could have scored the same goal that he did against Mexico. Yep. I think he is someone who, as time goes on in Europe, he's going to develop really quickly because he's all about confidence. He's got swagger. He's got a, a an attitude about him. And and you know his story is, it's one of those stories maybe 10, 15 years ago where, you know, you talk about you know, Jonathan Guzman's the, the Owen Hargraves, uh, the Asmir Begovic's, where he might have played for the Americans because he didn't get, as as, he, as his side of the story is, you know, having to go to Colorado and having to um, yep. to go through that side of the program and then going to Syracuse and then being scouted. And, but it's a real credit to what the what the men's national team is doing now in, in, in like, heavy recruitment of guys and, and letting guys know that, hey, you know, whatever happens in the past, you're an important part of what we're doing now. And, and he plays – by and large, so well for Canada. And his development, um, especially over the last few months, mirrors exactly Jonathan David in terms of just, I mean, David obviously coming from the more amateur side in Ottawa, but just just skyrocketing. Mm-hmm. And and yep. I think he's going to play so, so, so well um, in, in Belgium. And then, you know, what, I think right now he could play for um, one of the upper tier sides in Germany, but I would love to see you know someone like that. I'd love to see Tejon play for for Borussia Dortmund in in, in, a, in a couple of years. Yeah. I just think he he would thrive for one of the top sides in the Bundesliga, um, and that's that's kind of I think the players that we want these you know fast, physical, incredibly athletic, incredible this great stamina, great work rate. That's the kind of the kind of player I think we can see now playing for Canada because we can see it already in some of the guys who are playing for the team already. So Tejon deserves all his flowers on this one. Um, you know, there's been, it was mm-hmm. a lot of work speaking to his agent, getting this done. And, you know, from Bruce Arena, when myself and some early reporters put out the the news that he had interest, you know, eight, nine, 10 weeks ago, Bruce Arena being like, yeah, he's not going anywhere. This is no, not. <laughs> to, see, to see his progression, even in that time to a point where everyone's like, yeah, yeah no, you can go, but you know, roll it back to it. Like, it's just, it just shows again, it's another example of the quality of talent that's now in Canadian soccer and, and hats off yeah. to Tayshawn. I mean, I, I think he's having spoken to him just a couple of times and, and speaking to members of his family. Uh, he's a good kid, great dude. And he's going to, he's really going to grow into his own in Europe. Fantastic. Funny you uh, mentioned that, that time period. I feel like his, his transfer fee jumped up a couple of uh, figures over that period of time, just cause he was on fire and he still is. I, so. I, I texted his agent when they scored against Mexico and I was like, you know, Ching, like, you know, <laughs> like that's, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's what happens, right? I mean, it's, it's, and it's so weird, isn't it? Like to, to, to think that Canadians now can raise their stock, can raise their value yep. by the way they're playing. And it's, it, I can, you know, to go back to a previous point that you guys had mentioned, maybe the expectations of fans. I was sitting in the BMO field press box and press box I sat in 14 years ago when I started my career and watching fans, just a terrible Toronto FC team. And, you know, <laughs> watching you know with all due respect to the guys who came before it you know really did the heavy digging 
but to see guy to see fans now walking around with Canadian national team jerseys, walking around mm-hmm. with Alfonso Davies jerseys, talking about Tejon Buchanan, talking about Jonathan David and Kyle Laren, you know, people walking around with the Tiba Hutchison Bajiktas jerseys. Like it's yes. It's, this is what the change looks like. This is how it starts. And this is this is only just the the early, early ripples of what's gonna happen in four and a half years. Like I don't think anyone, I mean you gentlemen obviously understand it, but in four and a half years, where the trajectory of Canadian soccer is going, the men's side in particular, in four and a half years before that World Cup that we're hosting, hopefully at a renovated BMO field, um, with the talent that we're gonna have there, where, you know. Alfonso Davies is going to be in and about his prime or maybe just on the downward half of it. And Tejon Buchanan is going to be in his prime and Jonathan David will be in his prime. I mean, it's, it's uh, enjoy these moments now, like, you know, take notes now because like, this is, we are now experiencing, I won't say a golden age yet. Got to get to a world cup first, but yeah, true. Just, just, just a real, just a real summer and flowering in, in Canadian soccer. So you, you almost answered my next question, which is uh, what is the state of the can sock in the, in the current can sport media landscape? And are we doing everything right for the slow burn towards 2026 or should we be doing more? Well, you know, it's funny. Um, you know, those who n- know of my work will know that I covered Toronto FC many, many years ago. Uh, and then I had to, you know, I was told I worked for the national post and my editor at the time told me nobody cares. Move on to the CFL. <laughs> and I was like, right. right. Okay. And, but, uh, you know, I got the call four or five months ago from our producer saying, we're like, this has to happen now. We got to invest now. And, and to know that not just myself, but, you know, other, my, my, my fellow media members, you know, are investing in talking to player agents now, are, are, are talking to players and their families, their representatives on multiple levels, trying to build this infrastructure where it's not just, you know, we, we're trying to expand it out to to more casual fans. And that's, you know, on my side, at least in terms of some of the features we've been doing to try to to really get people excited about this team and and kind of wink and nod and say, hey, everybody, like the World Cup is coming here. Like, I, yeah. I mean, the 2022 is the goal right now, but the World Cup is going to be in your backyard very soon. And, yeah. You know, it's a spaceship that when it lands, it's going to be like un- unlike anything else. But right now, where we are, um, I think as we see this process play out and as, you know, hopefully Canada stays in those top four spots and as we get closer over the next five months to seeing if this if this country is actually going to get to its first World Cup since 1986, or uh, Men's World Cup, it's going to be... I, I'm excited to see not just what we do at TSN, but what other media outlets do and the competition that raises, yep. because that's what I want. I don't, I don't want it just to be one soccer who does everything or TSN that does everything or sports. I want us all to be like, you know, start, start the drumbeat. And, you know, this was obviously the foundation laid by the women's team and what they did. And, you know, mm-hmm. not just in, in Tokyo, but in the world cup here a few yep. years ago. Um, but this is the momentum is building and, what I what I'm enjoying seeing is the players are now getting it, and 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 listen, and, and talking to John Herdman, you know, Herdman had said to me, "Listen, the goal here that we all want is we, you're going to have, you know, we're we're not going to play great. You're going to have to have tough opinions about the way we play and what we do. That's totally fine. But the fact is, the players are watching, and they and to see that the media is now investing more in them, not just raising their profile for the sake of dollars and cents, but raising their profile so that, as I mentioned, 
you see people wearing not just Alfonso Davies Bayern Munich jerseys, but Jonathan David Lill jerseys, Kyle Lahren Besiktas jerseys. You know, you, you see people look at who is Scott Kennedy and what's you know what are Canadians doing in the second Bundesliga and who are who are we still trying to go ahead and and recruit to Canada? What's going <coughs> on with Daniel Jebison? What's going on with you know a guy like Justin Smith who just uh, signed his first professional contract in Nice? You know. What's going on with, you know, is Fikayo Tomori like <laughs> I was waiting. <laughs> no, but like that's the thing, right? Like that's yeah. like what's what's going on with those situations? Like that's exciting. Like that's like and and, and I'm not trying to buy into the hype and, and like there's there are definitely things you can criticize about the play and some of the tactics in that Honduras game. That's fair. But yep. to go ahead and be like, hey, you know what? It's no longer, you know, you know, what's going on? Like Owen Hargraves and everyone just folding their shoulders about something that happened 20 years ago. Like it's, 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 it's now, we now feel so much better about where we are with the men's program, not just about what we have now, but peeking over and saying, you know, what if Marcello, Flor- what if right. Marcello Corvus comes in, yeah. Flores wants to play for, what, yeah, wants, wants to play for uh, Canada. What if, what if he does? What if he just chooses Canada over, over Mexico or England or Daniel Jebison? Like, okay. like this is, you know, and the one thing that I could see us doing that, the, that, you know, going back to the point about we don't want to get to where the states are. The fact is, it's like to have the depth the Americans might have and to know that what, what our talent is doing is turning heads. That's a great place to be. In. I, that's the place Absolutely. you want to be in. Yeah, and you want to be having, you want to be where the Americans are, where you're getting upset at like, why don't we play this guy, this guy. And like, <laughs> you, want to, you want to be there. And we're in that honeymoon yeah. period now, but you know it's 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 not a bad place to be. Yeah. So so let me let me follow up quickly. What do we need to do on the women's side to take the maximum amount of advantage and 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 keep the uh, enthusiasm going post Tokyo? Is it an NWSL team immediately? I I've been fortunate to have a few conversations with Diana Matheson about this, and you know Diana is so smart, and she's um, and she's. You know, I don't think I'm speaking in a turn here. She's certainly talking to people, various uh, business people, and and and, and certain notable uh, large um, uh, sports organizations in and around Toronto. I mean, you know, MLSE. If if there's going to be any investment in the women's game at a professional level, it's going to have to happen a partnership with Major League Sports Entertainment. I think I want to understand that. But yeah, I think I think we have to get to a point where. And I was saying this to somebody yesterday. Shereen Ahmed uh, does the Burn It All Down podcast. She's a good friend of mine. And, and we were just discussing this yesterday. When you really look at it and you kind of understand the limited budget that Canada Soccer works with and everything that Canada Soccer has done um, on the women's side, and you watch what they achieved in Tokyo, this is my opinion, and I don't mind saying okay. that might be, given the context, one of the greatest achievements by a Canadian team in any sport. Like wow. with the, with the budget with the budgets they have to deal with, the the traveling that they have to deal with, everything that the women's team has had to deal with, not just during Tokyo but before that. Yeah, yeah. Like it's 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 an it's a massive achievement. It's 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 a historic achievement, and it begs more investment. It beg it like 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 put the money into it because, guys, the two most successful coaches in recent Canadian history both coached the women's program. Mm-hmm. I mean, Bev Christman yep. obviously, but John Hurd. Like like it's it's. Yeah. There, there is a clear, there's a clear line you can draw from the success of the women's team to the success of the men's program. The people, the the, the physio staff, the backroom staff that worked on the women's team, they're working on the men's team right now. Like it's mm-hmm. so, 
that investment, you know, one clearly benefits the other, but we don't, I think we want to get to a point where we, that shouldn't be the case where they can be their own entities and succeed on, uh, succeed on their own. But there has to be a women's a professional team. I know that there were, you know, some, some online grassroots movements with the NWSL Toronto account, and they had accounts from across the country and speaking to some of those people in direct messages and, and what they're trying to do. I just want someone to step up. I'll say it. I covered the league and I've covered the league for 10 years. If we can invest in Canadian football, which is, which is certainly a, a staple in the country. And, and believe yep. me, I, I was, I was lived at classic yesterday in Hamilton and it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I love it. But if we can invest in that league, we can invest in a women's, we can invest in women's soccer and women's hockey. There is no, no argument for me. Like, come on. Like it's, it's, if, 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 pe- if people are like, Oh yeah, we're, if we have money for nine teams in the Canadian football league, we've got money to, to, to invest in the, in the women's league. And, and, I'm it. hoping I'm hoping seeing little things like uninterrupted partnering with Christine Sinclair, mm-hmm. seeing the rising profile of G- someone like Janine Becky, like yep. that to me is like, hey, that's what we want to be seeing. But I go back to the point about Diana Matheson, like going to Diana, like going to people like that, smart people who've been involved in the women's program. You know, Diana's currently finishing a, a, a Queen's MBA and incredibly intelligent, like saying to saying to the women who've been part of the process. To be like, listen, we're now going to be in charge of the process, and we're, we we want to lead the process. That to me is exactly the steps we should be taking. Onward and upward. Well I said. love it. I love it. The fact they they accomplished that gold medal without a domestic professional league in Canada is is absolutely ridiculous. And I I wholeheartedly echo your sentiment there about that being one of the greatest accomplishments by any Canadian team because that is absolutely absurd. Um, one last question for me, Matthew. I, we really appreciate your time, by the way. I have to get this in though. Can we just talk about Kyle Aaron for a minute and just what he's Aaron. been able to do? Because that is he's been on an absolute tear not only for canada but in turkey as well how good has this guy gotten and is he do you think there's there's a move in the cards perhaps a a bigger club now that he's been able to have so much success really a career that's come back from the dead i mean when you think about where his career was what 24 months ago like people i remember speaking to to kyle about this and john herman and, and and john herman was saying you know he and it happens with some players adding structure to their lives and, and, and Kyle becoming a father of twins and bringing those, the, his family to Turkey. Sometimes that's all it takes. Like sometimes mm. like it just, it takes a moment where you're like, okay, like this, this matters now and I have things to play for. And, and you can see his, his confidence, his, his desire always to get in front of gold, to see, to see the way that he gets upset at himself and he doesn't convert chances to see the respect that he has from someone like Alfonso Davies, who's, you know, sends those balls into Robert Lewandowski, you know, yep. on a weekly basis. And yet he sees, he sees Kyle Lahren in, in like in the same light as, as, as his teammate. That says a lot. And to know that this isn't the end for Kyle Lahren. I mean, listen, the Turkish Super League is, is, is certainly not top league, but right up there in the, in the second tier of, of, of European leagues. And their accomplishment last year was to win the double is, is awesome. And yep. to play in a league like that, where, of all the leagues in Europe, and you and you guys can you can go, you guys can tell me if if you if you think differently, it is probably the closest to the shithousery of Concacaf and <laughs> probably like probably. It's closest to the Argentine yeah. first division. Like when you like if anyone's yeah. ever watched a you know Fenerbahce Galatasaray game, I mean it's just like yeah. it's, you talk about bags of pee. I mean these like <laughs> I mean I mean I mean I'm a I'm a 
you know, a Manchester United fan, and, and like we hey, suck. Glory, we, glory. We, we we suck going to Turkey, and it's just it's it's, yeah. it's just the way it is. But but having said all that, like to see him see him thrive in that kind of league, to to to, to see him thrive, especially alongside Atiba. I mean, where else could he go? I mean, you think about could he play now? Uh, especially the way West Ham is playing under David Moyes, although David Moyes seems to have a, an absolute love for Croatian players. Like, could we see him play for West for a team like West Ham? Yep, I can see him play in the Premier League, no doubt about it. Like, uh, I mean, but there is, you know, you talk about Kyle Aaron, what he's doing. I mean, I, I, I and I know it's not part of the question, but I, I just want to get this in quickly. I, I, all, all hats off to Junior Hoyland. Like Junior Hoyland, my guy, he, love him. The the way he's played the last like. Everyone's talking about what Kyle Aaron's doing, the goals he's scoring. The work rate that Junior Hoylet's putting in is just like, wow. Like, he comes every time he comes off, he has given, like, he's just sweating profusely and he's given his all. And it's just like, you gotta, like, you gotta clap for that man. Like, he's yeah. really, he really has. And he allows for Kyle Aaron to just be like, okay, you know what? I just gotta go ahead and make sure I'm in the right spot and I'm getting the balls coming into me and I've gotta convert yeah. them. That's my job. Like, my job yep. is to score. That's it. I don't need to. Go back into play. I don't need to go ahead. I, you know, don't worry about holding the ball up. Like guys are going to do that. My job is to score, and he's scoring. And that's um, when a player can have the confidence of saying, "I don't have to do all these other things. I can just be me." Very good point. Yeah. You can see, you can see the benefit that Canada is having right now. And he's by the end of this, by the end of this qualifying window, whatever happens, Kyle Aaron is going to be the highest scoring Canadian men's national team player. Like, what does he need? Two goals. Yeah, that's it. So, goals, like, yeah. that's it. I mean, he's gonna be the. So that's it. I mean, he's gonna be. And think about that. I mean, think of where we are. That you know, God bless Dwayne Dearzero in his career, but that's how different the metric is now. Like, it's no yeah. longer like the, the metric is so different on the men's side. It's it's and you know we are right now a, a team built on Kyle Aaron, Alfonso Davies, and Jonathan David, and it's and it, there's no shame in that. And when they're all playing at their maximum, I mean. And these aren't the games that ma- these games matter, but as we get into later on the other phases of uh, the other match days of, of this qualifying window, man, it's it's going to be exciting because these guys, you know, they'll they'll already be in the swing of things in the European season, and and when it's really going to matter, when 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 we when it's a must win, it's not like these couple games was like we need to get some points and everybody's dropping points, so okay, we can stay around. No, we have to win. I want to see what these guys are made of. Nice. Yeah. So, I mean, in a roundabout way, you just said that the game tomorrow isn't a must-win game, which is a direct uh, <laughs> no, no, counter no, no, to no, every no. every pundit on on planet Earth. So, yeah. You know, it, it, it's given where everything is given. I, I don't think you're looking at Mexico. Mexico is the team you want to catch. I, I don't think anybody. No. But, yeah. And, and that's okay. I mean, that's but but we're going to you know Canada's going to the Azteca, and it's going to be behind closed doors, and that's going to be great, and it's that's that's fabulous. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think not to double back, but tomorrow is crucial. Like tomorrow is, okay. <laughs> tomorrow is crucial because the hundred, the Honduras game was like, okay, that first half, we get it. You're figuring out what the heck is going on to all the, all the results you needed fell your way. And the second match, they, all the results you needed fell your way. So don't mess this up. Like you, this, you, you have to win. And even if Alfonso yep. Davies isn't playing, I'm not, I'm not worried because, to, to find that level of intensity, you know, they played against the Mexicans. What was it a three-four-three with Richard Larea on the left? Like that's okay. We if we don't have uh, if the Canada doesn't have Alfonso tomorrow, that's okay. Like this team has showed that it doesn't need Alfonso yep. all the time. And we got Junior Hoylet. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, 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 not just him, but like it's it's that midfield of 
Another mm-hmm. guy who's playing, uh, his work rate's been amazed. Stephanie Stackett was like, yeah. oh my god, like it's like he just he runs his absolute nuts off. He's the, the guy just <laughs> keeps, he just keeps <laughs> he, ridiculous. He, and, and he gets up in everybody's face, and he's always tr- talking trash, and he's he doesn't back down. Now sometimes, like you know, I don't mind the little niggles away from the ref. You know, that's 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 part of as you mentioned before the mind games of, of what we're playing. Yep, but. We're okay if we don't have Alfonso tomorrow because we're going to be at home and and Milan Borjan, God bless him, is the biggest freaking cheerleader. Just like yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like just his Robbie this. Van Persie header is maybe the best thing I've seen in the in the South End. Like, you know, that it was absolutely incredible. He like took a running leap at a at a corner kick and just headed it away. It was unbelievable. And, yeah. and, and you know, it's it's at the at the end at the end of it. I'm looking forward to tomorrow because. Again, this is just about building the infrastructure around the fans and, and, and getting them jacked up. And how could you not, after watching that American game, knowing that we went toe-to-toe with the U.S. in their own backyard, there's no reason why we, we should not expect to win tomorrow. Full stop. Yep. Full sellout. Okay. Tickets okay. on StubHub are in the multiple hundreds at this point. Well, any remaining tickets. So it's going to be a vibe tomorrow, that's for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And the, the comments are saying that they're, they – are even more hyped about Canada soccer than they were before. So I guess this interview went well. Um, thanks so much for joining us, Matthew. Love your work, guys. Always Keep a pleasure, man. Yeah, you, uh, Cheers, man. you need anything, you give me a show. Thanks, awesome. Matthew. Yeah. Thanks, man. Cheers. Have you on. What a uh, guest. I'm excited. Guest. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you guys sitting Jeez. tomorrow? What's What's the vibe tomorrow? I'm 113. I was 117 uh, uh, last time. I'm 113 this time. And if if karma works, that means that all the the flags and everybody is going to be in 117 this time. Because I was yeah, staring I'll at all. See the... you there, buddy. I, nice. Uh, I gave up my seat in the press box because of the vibe there at Bigelville. Nice. I'm like, there's no way Love I could that. do this again. I needed to yeah. be in that crowd. Um, so I gave up my seat in the press box, got tickets, and 113, Jeff. I will see you there. Amazing. I'll be the guy losing his voice because it is <laughs> going to be a spectacle. It is. It's absolutely going to be a spectacle. I'm very, very, very excited. Yeah, well, there's there's so many directions we can we can go in after that. Um, I wanted to bring up one thing that, that Will Dunn asked, which sure. is is it still closed doors? Are we sure that the Azteca game is going to be closed doors at this I point? I thought it wasn't, but I th- yeah, I'm I not going to say for well. sure. That's what I want. Uh, right yeah, okay. I'm not going to say for sure until like it's it's confirmed, but I thought it was. I mean, it I should be. That, that penalty it should be the one games. Yeah, yeah, and that one game was was pawned off to the to the under eights or some or some absolute <laughs> BS. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um. I, I, I wanted to bring up uh, a couple of things, I guess, then. Uh, one of the things that I thought was interesting that, that Matthew said was the, you know, just the Tejan Buchanan scoring against Mexico and then the Cha-Ching, you know, symbol, because that, that has not been the case for Canada players in the past that they've been able to raise their stock while playing the Canadian jersey. You know, this is to go back a couple of years, but I remember Marcus Haber when he's trying to sign for clubs in the, the lower level of, of England or in Scotland as mm-hmm. well. Like... Clubs don't want you because they know you're going to have to go away and play for Canada internationally every window, and like that—that's that takes away from what they're doing. And some of those clubs don't even take international breaks in the lower levels of of England. So, I, you know, that's that's fascinating now and exciting that pulling on that red shirt can actually 
raise your stock in a way that you know it hasn't certainly in the past. Who was our who was our guest last week? Sorry, slipping my mind right now. He made a he made a fantastic point, and that was about was that Alistair Johnston and how his coach is now telling him, you know, great job. Is that was that Alex who said that? Someone said that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, but it was in and, uh, with, uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. He comes he yeah. he comes back to Nashville. Oh, and his yeah, coach you guys is like you're, that. exactly you're playing better. Uh, every time you come back, you're a better player. Something along exactly, those and now guys yeah. want to to send their their players now to the Canadian men's national team because of the infrastructure again that John Herman has in place. And man, I know we give him kudos quite often, but I need to say it again: John Herman, like what a job he has done, yeah. and he continues to do with this men's national team. What a job he did with the women's national team. Yep. This guy is is an absolute gem for the for the. Canada soccer organization and I'm just excited to see like where where we head next what what another innovative tactic he has up his mind or up his sleeve or you know what motivating speech he has to say next because literally he checks all the boxes that you want in a head coach you raise an interesting point because I was getting hives with the micromanaging in the U.S. men I mean it worked but the mm-hmm. constant formation shifts, you know, from a 5-4-1 to a 3-5-2 to a 4-5-2, uh, you know, it might have just been Stephen Caldwell mentioning it every time it happened that gave me highs. But but it felt, again, let me preface, it worked. But it did feel a little bit like galaxy braining, a little bit of what Pep does in, in Champions League. And, and, and I'm, pleased, I'm pleased that that didn't happen. Because if there is one knock against cerebral coaches is sometimes they overthink things. Uh, and uh, there's been a tendency for people looking at, at the lineups when they drop, uh, especially over the last three games, to 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 sort of posit that for for Herdman and his tactics that he's he's overthinking. But uh, luckily, luckily we're sitting pretty. Um, or mm-hmm. conversely, getting back to what I was saying to Mitch, we're we're being overtly positive about two points out of six on the table. That's what I was going to ask on, on because, a macro level. Like, how do we feel about that two points, Jeff? Because go ahead. You're going to get into it there. How do we feel well, about that? Okay. I think if we had – I called them a double six pivot. You called them a double eight pivot. But I think if if Oso was on the field instead of Atiba for some of that Honduras game, we may have pulled the three points. Uh, I think Mitch said it best. If Kava was on the field instead of Kyle Lahren for the U.S. game, maybe a few of those uh, crosses into the box from – Alfonso and Tejon end up in the back of the net. Uh, I think Mitch said Cav is more inclined to finish his runs than uh, than than Laren is. Uh, you know, is that the hindsight being twenty twenty, or is that Laren, bad management? Laren came off. Laren came off. By no, the I mean, I mean, and stuff for, right? well, okay, the the Fonzie balls, whatever uh, the cross. Yeah, it was also yeah, someone yeah. else who made that point. For, I, I, <laughs> oh, really? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I think you're the smartest person in the world, Mitch. I'd yeah, like to like, I'm getting a bunch of good there. stuff attributed. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, I mean, I thought that point was interesting. That like you know, had Cav, if Cav is only good for 30 minutes, right? Had he been subbed on in the U.S. game, would we have seen a different result? Hmm. I don't know. Uh, yeah, that that's tough to say because it was Jonathan David who was subbed on, and Jonathan yeah. David's a, a pretty damn good striker. I don't think anyone's choosing Cavallini over Jonathan David to come on there. Fair. Um, Fair. But you didn't answer the question, Jeff. Mm. How do you feel about two points? I mean, two games. 
listen, when the game ended on the Honduras game ended, I felt crappy. And then I looked at foot mob and I saw the other scores and I felt a lot better. Right. We got a bit of a mulligan out of that game. Um, you know, a lot of people say that draw felt like a win with the U S men's national team. Uh, it didn't, it felt like, it felt like one away point, which is worth a, you know, a golf clap, but not a, not a, you know, not resounding high fives all around. And then you see the other results and you're like, okay, uh, we're still in it. I think, uh, very much. So we need to, you know, must win. Blah, 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 blah. I want, I want a full three points in this cycle. Uh, if anything, because then when we go for a break, uh, we're not, you know, I'm so biased because we celebrated TFC's undefeated streak that it was that was actually just a whole bunch of one-one draws that gave us all gray hairs, right? And we were and you know we we were doing shows about well, at least we didn't lose, and I don't want I really don't want that to happen with the with the Canadian men's national team, and I think for confidence we need to we need to rock some three points because correct me if I'm wrong. The next cycle is a lot of more away games than home games, correct? If not yeah, all. Next, yeah, next cycle is yeah. very tricky. You've got Mexico and yeah. Jamaica away and then Panama at home. So I, I think it's all, like, I don't even think you can talk about the two points without the context of the El Salvador game, right? Like that's the that's the one that looms large at this point. You need three points in that. And then I think yeah. it's a fairly successful window, not necessarily 100% because of what Canada did this window. Like, I do think leaving points on the table against Honduras is is a big disappointment and isn't a good sign. But you and know, we may rue it later. Out. Yeah. Pardon? We may rue that later. We may rue those maybe, two points. Maybe. Yeah. But you get bailed out in a big way by the fact that almost every team Alex listed last week as being Canada's competition for that 3-4 spot dropped major points between Costa Rica losing and drawing between, you know, Honduras picking up two draws, Jamaica being pretty awful so far. So, and, and we'll see what, we'll see what Panama continues to do because they've been pretty impressive thus far. So I'm all of a sudden, Cooper. yeah, all of a sudden people are, these, these teams that Canada is competing with are starting to drop points against each other and that opens it up for Canada. So obviously, you know, five points, this window would be pretty solid given the context of everything else. Five points next window, and you're you're almost yeah. there. Like that's yeah, yeah, yeah. That that would be massive. So it's all it's all in context, kind of in, in terms of the the points and and results. And again, that that just means tomorrow is is absolutely massive, massive, Ab- so massive, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, El Salvador has has proven to be a tough side to break down. Obviously, mm-hmm. they they have they haven't conceded a goal in their first two matches so far. Yeah, but guys, nine clean, sheet, clean sheets in their last twelve. Come uh, on, Devan, it's Devan called the them. Back, yeah, Devan <laughs> called them El Salvador on uh, <laughs> on on a football pod this morning, and I thought it was hilarious. El Salvador. <laughs> um, they're a very young team, and their their forward core is not impressive at all. I mean, if you look at their at their caps and goals, both for both for the national side and their club side. Eh, not not so good, but I mean, it, it, these games aren't won on paper. I think that's what mm-hmm. we learned in in, on, in the Honduras game. Uh, this game is won by grit and luck and and shenanigans and 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 all the other sort of intangibles uh, turns this thing. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm I'm super excited. Uh, my question is is uh, what, what what's our starting lineup? What's our starting eleven? Mm. That's a that's a good question, and kind of I want to just make a point before we answer that, and it kind of wraps into that question. And even just looking back at the U.S. game, 
I am my biggest takeaway, I guess, from these first two games is just how much the goalposts have moved for this Canadian men's national team. Like the moment when you're you're bringing on those substitutions, Jonathan David, Tejan, Tejan Buchanan, those guys in in the 65th minute off the bench after you know tying the game against the Americans, holding the Americans to one one. And then you're able to go to your bench and bring off play, bring on players of that caliber. Like that to me just shows just how much this program is growing. And Ivan put in, put a, a comment in the chat where he was saying, and this is something I actually completely disagree with. He was saying mm-hmm. Herman was definitely settling in both games. He was happy with a point in each game. I'm happy we got two points, but feel like could have been one. Did you John see Herman him at actually, the end of the games? He was pissed. John Herman like, actually yeah. echoed that that exact sentiment you said at the end there, Ivan, where he said he felt like they could have won the game against the U.S. Yeah. He said it was a game that would, would keep him up at night. Yeah, for nights. And like he said, it would haunt him for days. Yeah, he was pissed. He would, was... Would, we, would we have ever had that conversation four years ago on a road game? We were dreaming about a World, a world Cup qualifier in the final stage against the U.S. on the road, let alone mm. being able to go down there and pick up a point. Like the fact that the goalposts are moving so much in the in so little, it's just as Matthew said. Like we just have to enjoy this right now and take this all yeah. in because in in just a few years, God, it's gonna be it's gonna be an absolute like like I said this before, a spectacle. But like that even doesn't even do it justice to how how much this is gonna grow and how you know we we talk about this all the time that that footy talks event with Alfonso Davies just what mm-hmm. two years ago where mm-hmm. you could actually get a, a, a spot in the rec room and, you know, be yep. able to chat with Alfonso Davies. Like there's no chance Getting that's further and further away. Again. My friend yeah. Gavin said it to me on the night. He said, enjoy yeah. this, take a mental picture. This will never, ever happen again. And he was, <laughs> but he couldn't in, have been more pressing. Yeah. In that same anecdote, Jeff, that's mm-hmm. literally what we're living through right now. Like yep. we talk about tickets, you know, at times being available last week for last week's game against Honduras. I'm imagining in, in, in a year's time, two years time, those tickets are going to sell out, you know, just like that. Your $20 right? Voyagers the, membership I'm pays thinking, for itself already, guys. Yeah. There you go. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Shout out the Voyagers. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm just, I'm just super excited about where we're heading and like circling back to your question there, Jeff, I'm not even worried about what type of lineup Canada kind of rolls out there because they have players who are capable of stepping up and you know doing what's asked they have so much depth on that roster that someone like a jonathan osorio is struggling to get minutes someone who's been so essential to this team it was struggling to get minutes in this team has Sam has Pia, mr full tuck yeah he hasn't because he hasn't mm-hmm. seen a, a minute of of gameplay at this point and and I'm for sure what is sam, sam atacube for him to come in and play such Played a strong role on mind. Yeah. Out out so mind. it was like no, i don't know if anyone I don't know if anyone would have predicted that he would have started that match because of the depth that we have on, on both sides of fullback. It's just, yeah. it's fantastic time now that, to be a Canadian. Z, where's ZBG? He's amazing. And he's not even on the roster. It's, it's craziness. <laughs> it's absolute craziness. Uh, uh, the reason I asked the lineup question is because I don't think you can start Tejon and Richie at the same time uh, because it's a red card attraction device. Uh, and I think Mitch, I'm pretty sure, Mitch, you you did say this, but maybe not. Maybe let's let's go for three. But you said we're going to get red cards anyway at this game. They'll they'll be red cards for the, <laughs> for the Honduras game. Was it you? For, 
Maybe. I, no, I don't think so. so I think you went <laughs> three for three with attributing things to me that I didn't say. But you know, uh, I actually have screen caps, but I didn't want to look uh, at them. So <laughs> if fair enough. Yeah, if Davies is not available to play hypothetically because of you know the knock that he picked up, I think yeah, I think you do have to start both Richie Larea and and Tejon Buchanan, Jeff. Uh, I just, I, do you? I mean, Richie Richie is very close to 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 red card, you know, man at this point, and and you know Tejon that penalty that he gave up was was. A, rookie mistake uh so i'm i'm just worried about uh about that yeah i i, I personally think like uh, you know the richie larea thing like that's just the and matthew talked about it that's sort of the edge that he plays with and and can concacaf you kind of need that edge there are times where he absolutely crosses the line and i think some of the stuff that he does is pretty petty and pretty unnecessary um and not only for canada but for tfc as well but at the same time, like Richie Larea balled out against the U.S. Like he was, oh, yeah. he, he was an absolute and Honduras too, honestly, and, and Honduras, Honduras as well. Yeah. In that game. You know, he yeah. the, he's a yeah. player who's an absolute game breaker for this this men's national team. And same thing with Tejon Buchanan. You're I'm right. not going Tejon Buchanan's. What was it? Probably his. He has less than ten senior caps for this men's national team. Like these are these are growing pains that are just naturally gonna gonna come. He jumped in Very good stupid point. challenge. I'm not gonna penalize him for the rest of the tournament because he made that one one stupid challenge. So, you know he does way more positive than he does negative for this net men's national team. And Very good uh, again, point, like man. I I did like him coming off the bench though, Jeff. I did I did wow, enjoy the holy crap. He could turn a tie just like that. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah yeah yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how else they line up. I I think. It'll be. I think Hutchinson probably draws back in if he okay. um, if he's still with the team, just because uh, he didn't play against the U.S. So I imagine that that'll happen. Um, didn't start against the U.S. He was. On he didn't list. start against the. Oh, US, did he? Yeah. He, he yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Okay, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I imagine like he'll he'll probably you know line up up top. Interesting to see if Cavallini will will get some minutes because he he rejoined the squad early. Um, I, I'm wondering what his status is, but <laughs> there's so much depth up top right now that it'll yeah. probably be hard pressed for him to get minutes. Jonathan David probably gets back into the starting eleven. Um, yeah, I guess you know it's it's a good problem to have because we talk about so many potential opportunities, and that just speaks to the volumes of depth that this team has. And your guess right now is as good as mine, but like I said, I'm not worried whatsoever. Yeah, there's. I think my biggest question going into this final game, and I can't believe I'm even saying this though, is about Canada's offense and their finishing ability. Because, you know, for for as much as we are talking going into this cycle and into the the past couple of years about the the defensive side of this team and how that's really their Achilles heel, there's been two pretty solid defensive performances. Honestly, Agreed. like and like you can extend that back to the Gold Cup. Like the defensive performances in the Gold Cup were excellent. Canada's only scored five goals in the past five games, and the underlying numbers suggest they've been pretty unlucky. I think they have closer to eight to nine expected goals. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in, in that regard, like, like, and we've—I mean, your eyes can tell you that too. They've missed some pretty good chances in both those games. Richie Larea skying late against Honduras. Kyle had a couple of good chances. They got in good positions against the U.S. But with that being said, you know that's that's the big question here. I, you know. 
can they break down what's going to be a defensive, resolute El Salvador side? And can some of these guys who we know can score, I mean, obviously Laren's been doing it, but, you know, you're Jonathan David who hasn't scored this window. And, you know, this True. is his longest time without a goal for, for Canada ever, <laughs> which is like four games. So it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to go too crazy on him for yeah. that. But, you know, you need those guys to show up and, and score big, big goals in, in this game. And that's that's really what I'll be looking for is, you know, what different offensive ideas can they do if once again El Salvador sits in a low block and really just, you know, uh, absorbs all this pressure that Canada is putting on them? And again, how can the how can that BMO Field crowd really help them and and you know bring them forward think, when during those tough moments? I think BMO is going to help us because so we've been seeing international Zaz. Now we're going to see TFC Zaz, which means probably <laughs> <laughs> had to be said. I'm sorry, Eric. Uh, Aaron's you in know. the chat. Can Jonathan David break down Eric Zavaleta? He's going to say yes. Going to say yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> going to say yeah. yes there, but to probably. But, I, but you never know. Probably. Like Zaz, you never know. We talked about this. We talked yeah. about this last week. It's just Eric Zavaleta, international Eric Zavaleta. Like, just find a way to get him, as, as Alex said, like, in an El Salvador door shirt for playing yeah. for TFC. Because yeah, exactly. this guy appear, appears to be like a different breed. Uh, Mitch, what you said, if they set up in that low block against Canada, then I think it is imperative that we do get a number 10 on the pitch to start mm-hmm. that match. I Absolutely. think we need to get someone in between the line there that can sort of penetrate that defense, you know, play that final ball into a David or a Laren, and either whether that's Junior Hoylet or Jonathan Osorio, get mm-hmm. someone like that into the match just so they can be another option there in, in sort of that that high part of the park. Um, yeah, I think that that's all from, from me there. I'm just super excited for tomorrow. I think oh it, it's, it's, like I said, it's just, it's going to be a completely different vibe than you're used to if you're heading down to BMO Field for the first time to check out a national team match. Man, it was a completely different vibe than going to TFC games. Like I can't even I can't even express how how lively that crowd was and I'm looking forward to it uh tomorrow night. Yeah. Sorry, I said if El Salvador plays in a low block, I meant win El Salvador plays in a low block. <laughs> I, think we, I think we all know what's coming. I, think I we just all assumed know. you yeah. meant you yeah. said when or you yeah. meant yeah, 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 yeah. if. <laughs> if. <laughs> They're going to – yeah, yeah, yeah. They're playing a 4-3-3 with uh, inverted wingers, guys. What are you talking about? Um, but Yeah. I, I should mean, we uh, – uh... Yeah, let's Should we hop onto the the last oh. thing? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Actually, no, yeah. yeah. One. Let's let's at least briefly mention that Toronto FC is back in action on Saturday um, against FC Cincinnati. Um, I think uh, you know earlier in the season when they lost to Cincinnati, that's when we really knew that things were things were had gone all the way off the rails. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, a chance to at least maybe pull something back here. But my my question that I put in the in the chat is Good question in, in the question is what if anything are we looking forward to for the next little bit for Toronto FC other than the cider bar Jeff a 41 kit unity kit what's it going to be guys black socks now <laughs> uh uh I'm, I mean I'm looking forward to you know my last my last column was let's play the kids and then we did for TFC too and it was a disaster so I don't entirely know what i want anymore uh uh i think we need to see some kids and i i still think that i still think we need to at least close the book on some of these prospects for for good or or bad as unfair as that is to put the to put their whole worth to the team up on the chopping block on the back of 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 meaningless games and and, you know jeff i take issue with that 
Because how can you close the book on a kid who's like 19 years old? I mean, like my, my counter is how long can you keep it open in a professional context, right? It's, you know, with the changeover that we've got coming, you know, how many of these, of these prospects or potentials or diamonds in the rough or, or, or unpolished gems can we hold on to, uh, going forward or is there even a number i i, I just think that there's you know, there's 30 when, spots when, on the roster yeah right and one of them there's is eric singardo <laughs> if you're talking about eric singardo that's a different conversation i'm not referring, no no i I'm just i brought i brought him the jaden yeah. nelsons the jaquil marcerudis like t- players of that caliber. like there's no way that you can define their the rest of their career in the next two months that that's what I take issue with is that you know we, okay well then I don't then, know if there then, are prospects we have to close the door on. Well then, like, what are we what are we doing for the next uh, for the next twelve games? Showing up for our participation medal? Like what is the what's the goal here? If it isn't, well, I think getting some of them game experiences absolutely has okay, to be a priority. Okay. Yeah. Right. I, I don't think it's necessarily an assessment period for them. More so is as an opportunity to to just get their feet wet and something they okay. haven't been able to do. Toronto FC in general. It's been so hard to get minutes as a young kid coming through the system right now for the first team right. and to be put into an opportunity, as you kind of alluded to at the beginning there, Jeff, to, to succeed as well. And if you mm-hmm. put them on the field again with, with a Soteldo, a Pozuelo, players of that caliber, instead of throwing a full team of youngsters out there, you're more likely to succeed as opposed okay. to, you know, what happened with TFC too. That being said, it's not about succeeding or not for me. It's just about getting these some of these kids' minutes because the reality is there's nothing left on the line for for TFC this season. There's so what to the play Canadian for? Championship, yeah, like, exactly. Other than the Canadian Championship, that, that's, so that's something I'm looking forward to. But Jeff, I wanted to, I, I kind of wanted to to build on what Mike was saying. Like we've been talking so much about the like the different ways players are evaluated in MLS based on their roster position, be that designated player, TAM, that sort of thing. Like these young guys take up almost nothing on your salary cap budget. They take up very like, or, or nothing if they're homegrown players, yeah. like they aren't even, okay. they aren't even counted against salary. So these are guys you can just have around and, and keep for a while to, to see how they develop and turn out. And again, like, yeah, I don't think you need to make an assessment on, on all of these guys over the next couple of months. Cause look at a guy like Alistair Johnson who at 19 or whatever was playing league one Ontario. And now he's shutting down Christian Pulisic for the Canadian men's national team. Like, like players just develop in such different ways. And, and that's why it is, you know, even if, so even so if get a minutes, always, yeah, get a minutes, no, no, no check or minus, uh, you know, no check sheet, but get a minute, see what happens and then evaluate at the end of the season is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's probably okay. closer to I think what I'm... TFC TFC are thinking. And then someone like I don't know, let's say Noble Akello, for instance. There, Jeff, just to kind of build on that point. Noble Akello's biggest asset is not his ability to play right now, but it's it's his frame, and right. it's a frame that he's he's going to grow into, right? And his ability to move around in that frame. He also has a a great touch, but his his ability to play soccer right now is not his his strictly you know within the game is not his best asset right? right so i'm excited to see what noble okella looks like in three years because to me that's that's really the player that tfc are kind of trying to build towards as opposed to a, a guy who's 19 years old and, and you know could 
could hypothetically make an impact on the game right now. So that's yeah, why I'm not saying. Next game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> oh yeah, true. Because of the red card, he, he yeah. won't be in the next game. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I I I think what's next for TFC? That's that's really the million dollar question. Like, is is this a time where you know you start weeding Michael Bradley out of out of the lineup? Is this mm. you, you start cutting his minutes? Is is that the time now? Like, who else's minutes do you cut? Omar Gonzalez's minutes potentially? Do you start to cut his minutes? Who else? Who else is in that boat there Jeff, for you guys? Yes, yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff was fully in agreement about. <laughs> is uh, there anyone else's minutes that you'd think about cutting? I mean, there's a lot of Marky Delgado hate going around. Marky, Marco, Mark, uh, and I've always been. I've, I've always been aghast at that because I think he's so underappreciated. I mean, we have an award named after him for, for the most underrated TFC player. And, and you know, once he again, I, I've, he wins it most years because he's just that important. So, so you know, uh, the idea that, 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 uh, that you know, Mark, Mark, Mark Delgado is not long for this world in a TFC shirt makes me crazy. Um, but I think, I think everything has to be on the table. My, I mean, again, this is why we've had so much trouble – uh, talking talking about TFC right now is how much can you prepare for the future with an interim manager, right? Like how much identity can you establish? How much identity should should you establish? Uh, you know how how much gray matter are you going to devote to these things that will undoubtedly change once the season is over? And and you know and it puts an asterisk on everything, right? Like if you're cutting Michael's minutes for the next 12 games, does that necessarily mean that the next gaffer is going to do it for the beginning of of the next season? Uh, if you're then Bob Bradley comes mm-hmm. in and just <laughs> yeah Shout yeah, out. I mean Bob Bradley's already going to get hired for the U.S. men's national team if uh, if Berhalter doesn't win <laughs> yeah, doesn't win Honduras probably by next game yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when they when they light him on fire because oh my god U.S. men's national team Twitter. Uh, yeah, I I think I it, it's so weird because we're we're in for the chaos of the of the bad years, right? We're in for the like the rudderless ship of the bad years. It, this is this is what we're in for. I can't I can't I can't see it happening any other way. So we're grasping at straws in terms of 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 what's going to give us value, you know, for uh for our for what's going to give us bang for our buck what's going to get what's going to you know in, in inspire us towards the next season and i i don't know what it is uh hopefully it's a couple uh jaquille marshall ruddy screamers that that keep us excited going into the <laughs> off season right i don't know or, if he, or, i don't know if that's realistic like has he hit a screamer like maybe one when you know he's <laughs> He was like fourteen, yeah. like for the, the U seventeen team or something like that. Okay, I don't know. Jordan Peruzza screamer, screamer, or whatever the case may be. But but uh, yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough. It's tough to 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 navigate this. Uh, We're being yeah. yelled at, by the way, in the chat. Too, I know. Uh, <laughs> That's why I keep losing my train of to thought. calm down, man. Like, <laughs> what what do you want us to say? Like, the team is in last place. This is one of the worst seasons I've ever witnessed. Not only like, you know, probably like around MLS in general, this is a team with the highest payroll in major league soccer. And they're in dead last. Like yeah. as you're saying in the chat there, yes, it's it's very tough for the young players. Absolutely. But the reality but young is players. Like, yeah. The, the reality you know is mean? like they're... none of them have been giving a given a fair opportunity, which we've absolutely have been saying um 
it, yeah, and they're they're put into very tough positions, and that's why we're saying let's let's not evaluate the young players based on these next couple of games. Let's give them you know a fair sample size, and let's not make any yes or no decisions based on this season. Like the reality is, we want to get them playing time. We want to give the young players playing time, and for them to you know succeed or not succeed, that that's irrelevant. They just need to get minutes at this point to be put into an environment where they have an opportunity to. Not, I don't want to say succeed, but you know, show their have worth. An opportunity to show, yeah, get, yeah, get show their wares. Yep, show their bonus minutes. Absolutely, yeah. I think that so, has to be the goal, and and unfortunately, it's in a system that's in in limbo right now, right? Like it, it unfortunately, and that and that's my problem is that you know, I mean, I wish I had your positivity. They will succeed. The, at the end of the day, we've been sitting on the same crock of Academy kids for a couple of seasons you know, through no fault of their own, but they're not entirely lighting the world on fire. So, so that level of positivity is, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, I love it. Yeah. I love to see it, but I, I can't go there with you. <laughs> you know, I, I, can't. I, I believe in yeah. the kids. Like I, I do, I do believe in the young guns and like, I've been stressing it for, for a while now this season, however, like did them no favors, absolutely yeah. no favors, which is, which is super, aside from, aside from Ralph Preso maybe just maybe noble okello was there was there a youngster that we can undoubtedly say took took major strides this year nope i mean technically luke singh just because he got minutes but <laughs> well i i had faith in luke singh like even before he signed a first team deal with tsc and it was good yeah. that he, he did get those minutes but you know by the end of by the end of the those season minutes. like yeah. He wasn't looking like the same Luke saying that that started the year. And that's what I'm trying to get at is these yeah. guys are not being put in good positions to succeed. And is there a player that we can undoubtedly say besides Ralph Preso yeah. that got tremendously better? I thought Jacob mm-hmm. Schaffelberg would be that guy, but then he just, as soon as Perez came in, he dropped out of the, the 11. Yeah, he dropped off the face. Jaden Nelson has, I'm so disappointed in, in the, you know, the direction that, the club is heading with Jaden Nelson yeah. because I think he's a player that just uses talent. He's been getting opportunities in the past and that just went away. Yeah. You know, I, we have, we've seen Jaquille Marshall Rudy like one, maybe two times this season sparsely. Yeah, yeah. Like it looks, it's not looking good for the TFC young guns, but there's an opportunity here and that's what we're getting at. There's an opportunity yep. here to reinstill that sort of faith, not only for us, but I think more important for them, for, for them, for yep. them. Absolutely. Without question. Yeah. And, and rolling the, you know, 11 of them out or eight of them out for TFC two and having the gen just get steamrolled. That's not the option either. Like mm-hmm. there needs to be something here where, where, you know, there's, there's a balance to get kids minutes and find success. And, and I hope they find a way. I agree. All right, let's, uh, let's wrap things up here. Cause we went way over time. Producer Sophia Always do. Pumped when we said uh, we'd be wrapping up, and then we want another fifteen minutes on TFC. So let's. Uh, <laughs> How can she be surprised? This is what we do. Yeah. Out of this. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Sixty episodes of the show. We haven't gotten any better at wrapping things up. Early. We've probably gotten worse. In fact, but we've gotten worse. We used to go forty-five minutes, but we're so much worse now. Anyway. Absolutely. Anyway, thank you to Matthew Shinetti for for making his show debut. That was that was great. Um, a lot of good insight there into the Canadian men's national team. Thanks as always so much to producer Sophia for bearing with us and all she does for us behind the scenes to Kevin and Edwin as well from, from the team. And thanks as always for, for listening and interacting. We always appreciate it. 
Um, on behalf of Jeffrey P. Nesker and Michael Singh, I'm Mitchell Tierney. Till next Tuesday. See you guys.